We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, October 11th. It's Toss-Up Tuesday. It's Toss-Up Tuesday. What the hell do we have to talk about, right? Baseball is pretty much done, right? I'm, I'm not doing playoff baseball, right? We got basketball coming next week, at least. At least during the midweek, maybe we have some actual stuff to talk about, maybe. Maybe. Right, but I got I got the I got I got the 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 Sunday pricing up and kind of initial projections. I guess I guess right. I think the algorithmically generated ones. I just threw it up on the screen. It's kind of a toss up. It's up to you guys. It's up to you guys in the YouTube chat. It's up to you. Did, did it? Stupid questions are allowed today. I'm 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 waving. I'm waving the stupid question question clause in in my contract or whatever the the lack of one. Uh, that you could ask stupid questions today. Okay. So Wataz, Suki Singh, here is here early as usual. Doug Montgomery, defect. Good morning. Bart B. Devin's in the chat. You want to say hi to Devin behind the scenes, producing the show, helping me out. So I don't have to worry about uh, streaming issues or anything like that. So uh, if you, if you got questions, I got answers. Okay. It doesn't matter if they're stupid questions. It doesn't matter that if I've answered them 70 times before. You can go back. You could watch like 500 hours worth of content. Go back to the first ever pregame show. You could, you could, you'll, you'll learn everything, right? Right. MJC says he loves stupid questions. Jovan, good morning. Ask your stupid questions. Say your stupid things. Do whatever you want, right? Just do whatever you want. Play whatever you want. Do whatever you want on Tuesdays. Tuesdays, we're waving. We're waving the white flag. I'm waving the white flag saying, I don't know what we could talk about, right? Because I'm still waiting. I'm waiting on the blitz projections to, to update later today. Because then I'll be hitting up uh, some of the the prize pick stuff, right? Because prize picks they already have lines out for like passing yards, rushing yards, receiving yards, stuff like that. And th- these 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 are gonna be you're gonna be able to find find, find some good ones. Uh, I'd love to get them now, but uh, but I I I I, I want I want the blitz projections to update before I before I do that. Uh, and most of the time they don't even move. Like like by by Tonight, unless there's something like absurd that's in here, I don't think anything move. I mean, this stuff really doesn't even move until like maybe late Wednesday, early Thursday. Then some stuff moves by Friday, and then by pretty much by Friday night, like everything's gone. Uh so so I I don't mind leaving some time. They haven't put up everything here, 
So, I mean, I just take a look at this and you take a look at the blitz projections. They have all the statistical breakdowns. You find like really wide discrepancies and yeah, you hammer them. I did very well on, I did really good on props. I went what, 19 and seven, right? And since I round robin everything on prize picks, and then also I make higher value, higher dollar picks, the bigger the discrepancies are. And I think I won all of them. All the biggest ones, the ones that I put the most down, I won the most. Yeah, so I, I, I made in, in from anywhere from twenty five to seventy five dollar two picks, like I made like ten grand, right? It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. And then I, then if you find correlated ones, then you could make five picks and you, you combine them together. So like last week, the Bears passing game overs, uh, the price picks was low on them and the blitz was higher. So you know, Fields, Mooney, Komet. Then also the Geno Smith, Lockett, and Metcalf uh, overs. Price picks had too low also. They all moved, right? I, even 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 the Bears ones moved. Mooney and Komet both got bumped up six, seven yards on the on the receiving. Fields passing didn't move, but you throw them all together in a five pick. And then they, a lot of times they have five pick the, the flex Fridays or whatever, and they give you a little boost, and you start throwing them together. So you just like, oh, quarterback with the receiver, quarterback with two receivers, and you can make a nice little little five correlated five pick type of thing. If you know the two sides of a game, you could even do that, right? You have two receivers in the same game. You put them together. Like you, you could do stuff like that on prize picks. Uh, they, they allow it. Same for underdog, but underdogs numbers tend to be a little bit better, not better, not, not softer. I mean, it depends. Sometimes underdogs, early stuff could be really bad. They're, sometimes they're really off, but by later in the week, a lot of times the better number is actually on prize picks. Like, like a rushing total, if you wanted the over, like price picks will have it at like 60 and a half and underdog will have like 64 and a half. And it's like, it's not enough value. Before you, you'll, 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 it's better to play it on price picks. Okay. Let's see. Devin's, Devin's looking through the Rolodex. Love logs, logs to it. Do we have past stupid questions to go over? I hope not. Uh, MJC says, been watching some of your old NBA videos. Good stuff. Should still apply. Yes, everything should still apply, right? You can go get the theory of daily fantasy sports, right? I don't know why the logo is so small. Did I did I screw something up? Do I have to fix that on the website? What happened with the logo? Why is it so small? I guess maybe I have to fix that. Does it work on the... No, no, it's too small. I don't know. Something happened. Something happened. Something happened. I got to fix that afterwards. But you can go to Theory of Daily, Daily Fantasy Sports, theorydfs.com. Pick up uh, pick up the courses. Pick Get the tools. Yeah, what's up with the what's up with the images being small? Is that something on my browser? Do I have to fix something on my browser? I have no idea. I'll, I'll look into it later, right? I don't know. Do people see that on, on your end? That everything is, everything, the images are too small? Is everything? No, my face isn't that small. Okay. So maybe it's just that thing just in, okay, I, Okay, I'll, I'll figure it out. Don't worry, I'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, uh, Defect says, I avoided a lot of dupes last night, but had a lot of McKinnon, Gray, and Burton. Over 20% of each. Did I overdo it? it the, the, the exposures don't matter. The lineups matter. It just depends on how much risk tolerance you have on, like, guys that basically may only see one, maybe, hopefully, see one target or something. But yes, I idle I had a lot of McKinnon and Gray also. I didn't have I didn't I didn't even play Burton. Burton had too low of a projection to even I didn't even include him. Uh but yesterday in, in showdown, basically, if you didn't jam in like the four highest priced guys or something, you like you couldn't win. 
right? And then he needed to have uh, the Carlson, the kicker. And if it's going to be one of these kicker slates or something, I'm, I'm never going to win those, right? A 35% owned kicker, get the hell out of here. Uh, I mean, I but I had a lot of Adams and the captain. I had Jacobs and I had more Raiders than I had Chiefs and, uh, and had much less of Kelsey. Kelsey, if I told you Kelsey had 25 yards, 25 yards, he's going to get 25 yards tonight. I would have just X'd him out. I just X'd him out to 25 yards for Kelsey. Good for 10 point, whatever K X X button. Then three hours later, it's like it's four touchdowns. What's up with that? Noah Gray couldn't get one. Jerick McKinnon. They could have thrown that. There was one pass there. They could have thrown to Jerick McKinnon. He was open also, but Mahomes threw it to Kelsey. Anyway, that would have been nice. The McKinnon touchdown would have been better. <sighs> oh, Devin, Devin's posting in the, the fake stupid questions in the chat. What is your favorite amount of ownership to lose when you were playing a birthday narrative boost to projections? Well, it depends. It depends on how owned the birthday is. See what you, what you need to do is you need to figure out how many other players in the league have a birthday on the same day. doesn't matter if they're playing in the game, right? So if it's October, if October 10th, so like Marcus Valdez, Valdez canceling, it was his birthday yet. So how much ownership do you need to lose? Well, you need to go and see how many other NFL players have birthdays on October 10th. Okay? Because if if not, if if there's if let's just say no one, no one in the NFL has a birthday on October 10th, that means all of that birthday narrative is going to MVS. Because even though some NFL players aren't playing on their birthday, their narrative could be that they have a good training session or something, right? Or they're getting a, you know, some type of sports massage or something, you know, that they're still, you know, they're still training or whatever. Probably it's a day off, but they're they're getting something nice for their birthday, right? So if no other players had a birthday on the day, that means all of that birthday narrative, all of the ownership of that birthday narrative is going to MVS, right? But then if you found out that on October 10th is like 17 other players that have a birthday, like it's going to be more spread out. So you got to, you got to weigh that appropriately. Is is does is does MVS get enough proportion of the birthday narrative compared to other NFL players on that day that it's worth the increased ownership because of that birthday narrative? These are the things that people don't talk about, right? You won't you won't find this type of analysis on other shows and on those other sites. You come to Roto Grinders for this type of analysis. This is what we do on Tuesdays. This is this is what we've come down to. We do fake analysis. We just got word that Damien Harris is likely to miss multiple games. It's Ramondre Stevens season, right? They're gonna, so someone's going to, I guarantee you right now, if you search on Twitter, someone has typed in, it's Ramondre Stevens season, season with the SSZN at the end at, of his name, right? I guarantee you, I, I'm probably going to, I'll probably see it on TweetDeck, right? Within, within two minutes here. It's uh, Ramondre Stevens season. Uh, Jeremiah Nowak, what are your thoughts on Thursday night game? Low score or no? I don't I don't predict outcomes, Jeremiah. I know I, I know I'm allowing stupid questions. I think the field is more likely to build for a low scoring game, so I'll build for a high scoring game. It's not about what you think is gonna happen. It's like what's the probability of things versus how much other people will own them. Okay, so I'm assuming the defenses and kickers are gonna be way over owned on Thursday. And, the, and passing stacks 
Like imagine playing playing uh, Justin Fields passing stats or something like that. That'll be underowned. Does that mean I think the Bears are gonna? Oh, they're gonna put up four touchdowns passing? No, I don't think that. But how often does that happen versus how much are they gonna be owned? That's what expected value is. So yes, the more likely outcome is that it's a low-scoring game, but also most of the lineups, more lineups than that probability are going to be built for that scenario. So I'd be more inclined, more inclined to build for more of a higher-scoring slate. Also, the lower the scoring of the uh, of the, the teams are, the less that correlation, the effect of correlation matters. So maybe on the Thursday showdown slate, build... A, Use the pass catchers, use the passing game a little bit more. The kickers and defenses a little bit less. And then maybe not, don't be as inclined to correl, like, correlate much. If you have Darnell Moody in the captain, you don't need to have fields. You could have, you know, a kicker against the defense. And you could do stuff that normally would be not that correl, would, would be negatively correlated. But if this game is going to be like 14 to 10, right? Those types of games, like, there aren't going to be that many fantasy points scored so which means it's quite possible that oh three two running backs from the same team right and and the opposing defense right typically that are negatively correlated right that they may be fine so that that's what i would suggest the goal is to not do what's the most probable but to do what will be the most profitable long term Grant Brown is asking about the overview of the UCL slate. I'm not playing the Champions League slate, so I have no idea. I, I got a meeting after this. I got a, I got a, I got a lunch. I got a lunch meeting, unrelated to DFS. So because I have that meeting, I, I won't, I won't, I won't be there when lineups come out. I won't be at my computer. So I just, I, 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 I'm gonna try to do that stuff on my phone, uh, in the bathroom, in the middle of a meeting or something like that. So I just, I'm not playing Champions League. So I have no idea. We do have projections, though. Okay, so you sign up to Roto Grinders Combo Premium. You get NFL, NBA, NHL. That's coming back, right? I think that's back. I think what? There's two games today. NHL. You get tennis, MMA, MMA. We got MMA this week. Yeah, you'll you'll be hearing about that on Friday, all right? We got some MMA, so you get all of that. Click on the link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. Uh, Travis Selby says, where could you get statistical projections for NBA for prize picks, similar to the Blitz and the Bat? You could, Rota Grinders. We have them. We have a page. We, I mean, I, it's not up now because there's no, you know, NBA going on. No, no. Rota Grinders has statistical projections. If you, if you, if you're a premium member, you will get the same type of statistical projections, breaking down points, field goals, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals, all that type of stuff. You will get that. And it will be updated in, you know, any anytime the projections update, those will update. So you'll you'll be you'll be able to get that. Right. You'll be able to wake up in the morning, right? Wake up in the morning, look at look at the statistical projections and hammer away all you want on prize picks or underdog. Obviously, there may be stuff that that 18 questionable tags, you know, you'd you, who knows. And also realize that on prize on prize picks and underdog, those the stuff that happens on oh, this guy is out. And that changes a lot of stuff. Uh, those those things come down like in like 60 seconds. Like, so if you're going to try to like really get on top and go, oh, someone, LeBron's not playing, got to play this guy. I got to uh, hammer the overs here. Or this guy is playing. He wasn't expected playing. I got to hammer the unders. 
Like they take that stuff down really quickly, right? They'll take it down for a couple of minutes, like 10 minutes, and then they'll put new numbers back up, right? So, but if you want to capitalize on that, uh, you got you got to pay attention, right? But uh, but you'll you'll probably be able to find some stuff that's off late at night, early in the morning, when the when the new uh, the new projections come out. <sighs> Devin says, "How much of the birthday cake does MBS get? Is it enough cake to get you more cake than anyone else?" That 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 is the question. That is the question when it comes to birthday narratives. Defix says, out of 62 people, 99.5 chance of a shared birthday. Out of, what, 62 people on the team? I'm talking about all the way in the NFL. What's the ch- what's the chances that no one else had a birthday on October 10th in the NFL? Probably zero. Uh, very, very, someone. Someone also, it could be a lineman for some team. Who knows? But they're taking away the birthday narrative. They're, they're siphoning it off, MVS. Trevor Lewis says, a blender I lose so badly on Showdown Captain, but you taught me so much. I entered 150 lineups and they all took a bath. So bad. Do you recommend fewer lineups? No, I just recommend you build plus EV lineups. Understand that in Showdown, if you don't come in first, you lose. Like, that's it. That's the end of story. There's no such thing as, ah, I'm going to cash many lineups. You're not, you're not going to profit that way. You're playing essentially a winner-take-all contest. So if you're playing a winner-take-all contest, you're going to lose like the average loss. If you play 150 lineups, right? If you play 150 lineups in Showdown, your average loss should be 60 to 70%. Your average loss. That's what, that's not, talk to any Sharp 150 maxers. They'll tell you in Showdown. Like their average, if they only lose 20%, like that's that's a, actually actually a decent day. They only lose 20%. There'll be days where you lose minus 90% or even 100%, depending on how, how much duplication there was, there was at the top. That's normal. So understand you are playing a very high variance game that is profitable in the long term, but the swings will be ginormously dramatic. Okay? Ginormously dramatic. Most showed from what i've seen from other people's like roto trackers and results like 150 max into a what a 15 dollar showdown is 2250 right i've seen swings of people that 150 max every every island game nfl showdown right and go through hundred thousand dollar swings easy easy two hundred thousand dollar swings and then they lose 98% of the time. Then one or two of the slates over the course of a season, they have a $250,000 win or even a million dollar or whatever. I mean, like that's that's what you're playing for. So the more lineups that you're putting in, just the more variance you're taking. You're taking, you're, it's gonna, it, I, that's the reason I don't play 150 lineups. Not because I can't build 150 plus EV lineups. I can do I want to go through those swings? I don't. My based on my goals, I'll win less. I'll win less often. I'm profitable in, in NFL showdown, even though I lose 95% of the time. Over the past what uh, four years, I've I've binked three of them. 
I mean, I think more, but I mean, I don't consider like, oh, okay, a $12,000 split. I'm talking about 50K plus three times. And that alone is makes me wildly profitable in showdown. Even though I could easily, I, 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 I've gone like 20 slates in a row losing money. But I can, I can handle those swings more when I'm playing 50 lineups, 40 lineups, 20 lineups, 70 lineups, rather than 150 all the time. So it's not a matter of how many lineups do you play. Can you build build one plus EV lineup, then build a second one, then build a third one? Can you build 150 that aren't duped to high heaven? And can you build 150 that also aren't so unique and have such a low win probability. Yeah, sure. You can build unique lineups that leave 40,000 on the table. Just play all the $200 players. That doesn't make it a profitable lineup. So you have to find the balance between the two. And certain slates lead to that a little bit more often. Like I, I prefer Chiefs. Chiefs slow down. Typically, they throw to a bunch of people. More condensed offenses is much harder to be unique. So typically, I, I will play less lineups because of that. And when you're playing 150 lineups, maybe uniqueness isn't your top priority maybe it is a priority but it's like well if i play 150 completely unique lineups and like a dupe hits you know a, a train wins first like you're dead like you're gonna you're gonna lose like most you're gonna nine minus 90 percent easy so do you at least build some line like that's what that's why i i i aim for under fives and then the milli type of stuff where they give out a million i under tens even uh, fine, then I'll split first place seven ways. I, that's fine with me. That's still plus EV at that point. So the fact that I'm playing a lot of lineups that are, you know, two, three, four, that range of duplication means they're they're not they're not like absurdly crazy. Because someone else has also played that lineup to some extent, right? So like yes, yesterday I played what 50, 57 lineups. I got back like half my money. It's like, okay. It is what, especially when I barely have any Kelsey, right? Barely have any Kelsey, yet still got back. Still got, I had a bunch of Waller and he didn't, he barely, pretty much didn't even play, right? Well, I was out in the first like fucking six minutes or something. So I'm happy that I, I got back half of my money. <laughs> but that's the, but that's the way it is. Welcome to DFS. That isn't that what I say? Oh, oh, I play GPPs, right? You'll see, you'll hear this all the time. I play GP, I only play GPP. And, and it seems like I lose like, I lose like four out of five days. Like, is there any way to like get better at it? It's like, dude, the GPPs typically only pay the top 20% of the field. Right? So 80% of the time we're going to lose. That's four out of five days. Like you're stating something like you're doing something wrong. Like literally, if every if everyone was equal, if everyone built equal, equally good lineups, you should expect to lose four out of five days. If you if you if you build better than the field, maybe you lose uh, maybe only losing uh, three out of five. Uh, even then, you're probably losing even more than four out of five days. It's just that when you win, you win a lot more money. That's typically how it goes. If you're cashing a lot in GPPs, if you're like, oh, out of seven days of playing, I I, I cash three out of seven days, which is what, 42% or something? 
Like you're probably not playing well. Yeah, you cash it more often, but you're just bleeding your money away. It's much better to be like, I lose six out of seven days. But on the one day that I win, I win 10 times more than I've I've lost. Like that's that's the better way to play. It's either first or last type of type of mentality. All the money, most of the equity is at the top. So NBA is coming up. I mean, in GPP, it's quite possible in NBA, out of a 30-day month, out of a, out of 180 slates, I lose money on 100, 160 of them. But on the 20 that I do win money, I, I'm looking to not just, oh, I won 10%. No, I'm looking to 50x my money. 100x. Win $100,000. You do that once or twice, and you, you're, you're wildly profitable. You're wildly profitable. But you have to build lineups with that mentality and not care whether or not you're going to cash. And then manage your bankroll so that you could survive that. Oh, I'm going to do 10% of my bankroll. Until, and yeah, good good luck on that. When you lose the three weeks in a row. Oh, I had a $10,000 bankroll. Oh, I'm signing up for food stamps. Like that's, that's, what, that's what it'll end up being. Maybe you're playing too much for higher percentage of your bankroll. Trevor says it makes him feel better, I guess. Yeah. Welcome to DFS. I'm not saying that as a, like a sarcastic thing, like an insult or anything like that. This, this is what you sign. This is DFS. Right? If, if that was happening in double-ups and head-to-heads, yeah, you, you, you're probably a bad player. The variance in cash games shouldn't be that that big. Just like the way I could play, I could play cash even in soccer. Like I'm good at, I'm great at soccer cash. NBA cash, whatever it is, against just a just random schmo. As long as they plug in players that like are gonna are starting and they use their their entire salary cap. At, I mean, at at best, I'm what, what a three to one favorite. At best, seventy five twenty five against the war against someone that's just mashing buttons. So like if it for you to if in 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 head to heads or whatever if you have like a a 58 59% win rate like that's that's fine. If you have 60 to 62 that's you're 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 doing extremely well. If anything higher than 62 you're you're on elite level. You just have to beat over 55% to beat the rake pretty much. So if you're like 53% it's like you're slightly slightly not profitable. But if you've been playing like double ups and head to heads for like, oh, I've pl- I've played eighty slates and I've lost on like sixty of them. It's like you're really bad. Like that's not variance. That's you. That's you being bad. It's just you can tell that pretty quickly. GBP, you can't. GBP, you can play for five to ten years and not know whether or not you're good or just got lucky or vice versa. Trevor Lewis says, I find it so hard to be contrarian in showdown captain. Yeah, because there's the only so many options. Right? Yes. Welcome. Welcome to showdown. Yes. It's very hard to be contrarian when there's all, there's only like, there's only 18 viable players, essentially. I mean, yes. Yes, it's hard. And the way that you have to be contrarian, you have to look at your lineup. This is the, for showdown. If you're playing large field in showdown, I've said this. Plenty of people have said it. If you look at your lineup and you go, this is the one. I love this. This makes total sense. 
I don't feel uncomfortable at all. Take that lineup and throw it out. Duplicate it 468 times. Like there's, there's no way that it's not. If you feel that way, everyone feels that way. Then if you build a lineup in showdown and you look at it and you go, I think I'm taking this $15 and then like, and just like burning it just for no reason. So you look at the lineup and you go, it doesn't make any sense. I'm totally uncomfortable with it. That's a showdown lineup. That's a lineup that, that, then now, now you should be rushing to the submit button, right? That's the way it is. Welcome to showdown. You're looking at the MMA. It's like, I don't, I don't know about this. This guy has only a 7% chance of winning. And this person is, hasn't put up more than 80 points in 14 years. Yeah, perfect lineup for large field MMA, right? <laughs> perfect. And if you're looking at your MMA lineup going, oh yeah, I have the highest ITD guys and and the biggest, the, the underdog that's 40% on. Oh, I like that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's a horrible one. <laughs> right? From an EV perspective. Like if you do win first, you're winning it with 74 other people. And you're spending the same amount of money to do so. So find a find a lineup that has a much less lower win probability that you're sharing first place with two other people or by yourself. It's worth it more. What else? It'll be a short show. This is all up to you in the YouTube chat. Right? If you got anything else, give me the thummy thumbs. You know how much I love those. Right? If I'm answering stupid questions, these aren't stupid questions, but I could answer stupid questions. We talked about birthday narratives, right? How to weigh the ownership of birthday narratives. Now you learn that. That's that's something that's that that's not in this course. I don't know why the logo is so small. Is it coming up on your end that way also? Has it always been that way and it's just my browser that does it? I have no idea. But that's why I should have an addendum. I should add an addendum to the first, the birthday narrative chapter. The narrative chapter in general. Trevor Lewis asks, do you bet more on the main slate? You don't like Showdown Captain as much or want to risk much on Showdown Captain. Uh, I mean, I play more where I have more edge and the lower variance. It all depends on what you want to do. Do you have an edge? Push it in. How much variance is involved? If it's a lot, then don't play that as much of your bankroll. On the main on the main slate, this is you know I play cash games. I play multiple sites. I play multiple small field contests. I play large field contests, and you build lineups differently for all of them. NFL typically has the softer softest fields out of all the sports because there's so much more casual participation in NFL DFS. So yes, yeah, so I, I typically play more in NFL than I do in other sports. Soccer, I'd love to play more in soccer, but I mean. Most of the lobby are filled with sharp players. I'm not I'm not going to play $500 head-to-heads with guys that at best were like 1% off from one another. I would just lose money to the rake at that point. So yeah, I'd love to play five, 10 grand in soccer on, on a Saturday for EPL. I'd love to, but I can't get that action. NFL, you can. NFL, NFL, you can just, I'll take $55 head-to-heads, $50, $10 head-to-heads, $50, $25 head to, I mean, you can, you can find anything you want. And on average, you're going to find tons of people that just play badly. And same for the GPP fields. So, yeah. So, I'm, I'm going to play more on those. Showdown. There's a huge edge in showdown. Sure. But just realizing that edge is, is tough, right? It takes a while, right? And you have to survive a lot of downswings. 
How much are you willing to do that? That should be the determined factor. I mean, my goal isn't to make millions of dollars. I optimize. Can I make like fifty to 75000 on average per year with very little risk of going broke? Like, that's what I go for. So, yeah, there's an engine showdown. So, I'll play 50 lineups, 20 lineups, whatever, whatever it happens to be on the slate. And play good lineups for that. Will I win less often? Sure. Could I win more money playing 150? Yeah, of course I could. But do I want to go through $200,000 downswings? I don't. So I don't. So that's why I don't. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How do you decide which slates you like? Ones where I think that the ownership is wildly inefficient. Right? I, but that's more edge. If I look at if I look at projections and I go, I don't know why so many people are playing this person. I don't know why so many people are going to build like this, and it's so much more profitable to build this way. Like I'll play more MMA, for instance. Like I'll play more on larger slates. You give me a slate. You give me give me a card that has fifteen fights. I'll I'll play one hundred and fifty entries, large field into those because it's so much easier to get unique. You tell me there's 11 fights, maybe I'll play the 555, right? A 200-man contest where I don't have to worry as much about, like, you. Need, I can play, I, I don't have to play the biggest underdog and stack a weird fight or do nonsense stuff on 10, 11-fight cards and still run into dupes, tons of dupes. So I'll, I'll play less. It depends on your edge. What I do should have no effect on what you do. I don't know what your strengths are. I don't know what game, what sports, and what formats you're better at and not better at. It's all in relation to that. Uh, Travis Selby, does the do predictor work with both sites? It just, it works with ownership and salary, so I don't think it should matter. I don't... I, it, the Excel tools in theory of DFS are built for DraftKings. Can they be used for FanDuel? Yes, but they're not officially supported for FanDuel. How do you know if you have an edge? Well, you're from your results and worse lineups. You could download the CSVs and see how, how many bad lineups are in there. The large field contests have the worst lineups. The large field contests have the biggest edge. 
What's the issue? Realizing that. The Millie Maker in NFL has the largest edge in all of DFS. That is the softest contest in all of DFS. The Millie Maker in NFL on Sunday. The $20 entry Millie Maker. It's essential for, for a sharper player. It's the rate is paid for. I mean, like, it's not even, it's not even a question of that. The thing is, is that mo- pretty much all the equities at the first place. <laughs> that's the, that's the issue. You're playing against 250,000 entries and like all of the profit is at first place. But on average, like your lineup is plus EV, right? It's just that. How do you realize that? How long is it going to take for you to realize that EV? I don't know, 78 lifetimes. Hopefully it happens within this lifetime. I mean, like that, but that's that's the thing. Imagine rolling, imagine saying, I will get pay you $1 billion. You only have to bet $1. You only have to bet $1, Travis. And I will pay you $1 billion if you could guess the role of a hundred thousand sided die, hundred thousand sided die. So one, two, three, four, all the way up. You guess that. I I will allow you to do that once a week for eighteen weeks. Okay, you bet a dollar. That's it. All I have to do is bet a dollar. You have a, a hundred thousand to one shot at guessing the right number. The proper payout should be $100,000, but I'm going to give you a billion dollars. Obviously, that bet is insanely plus EV. Insanely plus EV. So you'll gladly put down put down your dollar and go, ah, 647894 Then I roll it and it comes up 242109 You're wrong. Got to wait another week. Then you go to another week, here's a dollar, and he gets on the 100000 whatever side of die. When do you, when should you expect to to realize your EV? Right, you only get to do it eighteen times. Let's say twenty times, twenty times a year. Okay, how many years on average would it take for you to lose a dollar twenty times, lose a dollar twenty times, lose a dollar twenty times until you get until you lose whatever amount, and then you get a billion, which means you're wildly you're filthy rich. How many, how many lifetimes are you going to need for that? That's what the Millie Maker is. So the EV of your of your lineup is is great. Unfortunately, there's only like 18 slates. So it's like good good luck, good luck realizing that. But playing it is profitable over the course of like your grandchildren's 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 grandchildren are able to realize the EV, right? Or you get lucky and you realize it, you realize it within your lifetime, within this season. As long as you're building lineups that are plus EV, that's what, that's, they're the softest fields. Realizing EV doesn't, doesn't mean like, oh, it's, it's bad or good or whatever. It's much, it's much easier to realize your EV, your edge in a hundred man contest. But the ROI is going to be lower. That doesn't make it a better content. There's no such thing as better or worse when it comes to realizing EV. But would you spend 10% of your bankroll 
on a situation where you need to realize you know, for the Millie maker? Probably not. So much harder to realize your EV that you, you may, but but a time 10 years go by and you're broke because you've been doing it. Does it make it bad to do? No, it just, it depends on your risk tolerance. Defect, do you only have to pay taxes on winnings when you are withdrawn? No. You'll get a W2, you'll get, you'll get a 1099 from the sites for your net profit. If you won $2,600, right? Plus or minus, like, you know, let's say, let's say you won $20,000. And then over the next month, you lost 15,000 of it. You'll get a 1099 for five, five, five grand and you'll pay taxes on that. Obviously, Defect, you know, has to tell that he's never gotten a 1099. <laughs> he's or new, or he's only started playing this year or something. Right. Anyone that anyone that, that has 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 won money net profit on the year knows the answer to that question. <sighs> Official survey wants to know which iteration of the multiverse do I win the WSOP main event? I think it's actually probably easier to win the WSOP main event than it is to win the Millie Maker. Right? If you had the same type of edge, I mean, they thought, what, the main event is maybe 5,000 people, something like that? Probably more likely than winning the Millie Maker, no matter how much edge you have. Right? Even with 20, 25% of lineups being garbage. Cody Goddard, how do you know if a lineup is plus EV? Well, that's why you should uh, get the theory of daily fantasy sports. For advanced players, how to pro apply profitable DFS strategies for advanced players. A plus EV lineup has higher equity in the prize pool on average than the other lineups in the contest. Which means for every dollar you put in, you get $1.17 back on average compared to the rest of the lineups in the contest. Well, how do you how do you figure that out? Well, you have to compare your lineup to other lineups. And how do you how do you build plus EV lineups? Well, in very broad perspective, you want lineups that are the highest projected for the lowest owned. Because you are getting point you would be getting points that of the less of your opponents will be getting. And they will, and you will be avoiding points that your opponents are not getting. Right? It would be better if you just took the course. Right? It's like, oh, let, let me explain. There's six hours in the advanced courses, 15 hours in the first fundamentals masterclass. But probably, probably, probably we good to go to theoryofdfs.com and get it. Or you could probably watch the DFS pregame show here. Start from the beginning. I, I started the show, what, two, two and a half years ago, something like that, three years ago, two years ago, something. There's probably 500 hours. You can start from the beginning. TMAX says no taxes on winnings. Yeah, if you're a Canadian, you, you, the content, DraftKings and FanDuel are so much, if, you, if you're a Canadian, you have a much, you have a bigger edge than the Americans. You have a much bigger edge. Than, yeah. That would that would be the thing I would want to change, right? Keep the rake as it is. Just make me a Canadian. Just make me a Canadian. I don't have to pay taxes on it. It's brutal. Taxes are brutal. I mean, it, it's a necessary thing. You know how brutal it is. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm 
So I'm saying how brutal it is to win money every year playing DFS. But it's so brutal when it's like tax time comes and it's like, oh, here's a check for like an entire GPP bank. It's like an entire one. It's like, like, oh, here you go, fifty, like fifty thousand dollars. It's like just like. It's like, oh, but I, I remember I won 50000 in an NBA, co- like I binked an NBA contest. Like that bink just paid for the taxes <laughs> on everything. Like, like thank God I did that. Or I, but, but the whole thing is that if I didn't bink that, I wouldn't be paying this amount of taxes. I mean, it's like a, it's a double-edged sword, right? If you're paying a lot in taxes, that means you won a lot of money. Okay, so that's a good thing. Do you recommend trying to find an alternative projection model? No. How many of the top, top players generate their own projections separate of Roto-Grinders? A very small percentage. You'd be shocked. Most people would be shocked at how few of the top players make their own projections in any sport. Because the models that are available for for a small cost are either better or close to as good as they can do so. So why spend all the time managing back testing, everything like that, like, like nerdy tenor. Now he runs his process through the projections that he gets here. I mean, he uses the blitz projections, he uses the bat. He even whistles whistles used to do his own projections. He's even come out and said that he just, he down. He get. He uses projections from around the industry, right? Most most top players, McLovin that doesn't make his own projections. Uticao, I don't think makes his own projections. Just not much. These, these are very good. These are very good projections. Even if you don't go to RG, I'm gonna. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm yes, I think the the RG NBA projections are really good. I trust our NBA projection team. Like, dude, I, 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 there are, yeah, there, I, I look at other places. I'm a player. I'm, I'll tell you that. I compare. But the Roto-Grinders NBA projections, I believe, I, I mean, I, I, I'm always honest with you people. I, I, I believe are the best in the industry. But I'll also say that I think the Blitz projections are, are better than the RG projections for the NFL. I'm not saying the RG projections are bad. I just preferred Cardi's methodologies more so than than our own. Like that's me being honest. But do the RG NFL projections better than you having no projections? Absolutely. So when you, instead of asking like who has the best projections, go, well, imagine you building your own projections. What can you do versus what's available? Well, get something better than what you can do, even if it's not the best. That the the differences between the projections in the industry for any sport are so are marginal enough. Just use projections. Fine, you don't like roto grinders, even though you're watching this show. Get them from somewhere, right? <laughs> you need player projections. You need ownership projections. Those are like it's it's like the salt and pepper. Doesn't matter where you get them from. It doesn't matter if they're the perfect, if they're the most accurate. Oh, this one's projection is a 0.93. These projections are 0.91. The 0.91s are garbage. Like, no, 0.91 R squared is really, really damn good. 
The difference between 0.02 or 0.2 or some 0.02 between two could be this could be a one season variance of in the sample size. That, that that's it. So what can what would you rather do it yourself? I could build I could build a model myself. Not like I can't. I could build I could build a model as complex as probably the RG ones. Maybe not as complex as the car uh, as the blitzes. But I'm not even sure I could build it better than like Jamino. Like at at best, maybe I get to these. And these are what my projections look like. So what did I spend all the time for? Why do why do I why am I managing all this data? Why am I scraping all of this stuff? Why am I back testing all like like dude? Like I don't think I could get better than Jamino. So like what am I wasting my time on? That's what a lot of top players do. A lot of the, a lot of them used to make their own projections and found out that, oh, if I just if I just use the RG projections, the bat or the blitz or whatever, the differences between my what I'm getting and what I would have got is, is is barely anything. And boy, it's gonna save it's gonna save me 500 hours a year, having to manage all of that, and back test and bug check it and everything. Right. So they say, screw this. I'll throw it out and just use what these what these guys have. <laughs> That's the reason. Uh, Trevor Lewis, I mean, what is uh, someone like McLovin doing that you aren't? He's not doing anything that I'm not. <laughs> He's not doing anything I'm not. Do you think some folks are getting an edge better than you somehow? Yeah, they're better at they're better at uh, projecting ownership and optimizing lineups for contests. But that's what I do also. So it's just who could do that the best. That's really what it comes down to. Who can do that the best? The projections don't do that for you. The projections won't look. I can press optima. Oh, look. Imagine playing this lineup. I mean, I don't know what the hell that. Like, dude, if you just like, oh, I'm going to take my cash. Yeah, my, the cash line of this past week, you probably could have thrown in some GPPs. But for the most part, you're not optimizing for median projections. That's not how DFS GPPs are played. You're optimizing for the that the highest projected ceiling, which includes correlation elements like right here. There's no correlation to any of this. The more that Josh Allen scores, that means the more likely that Stefan Diggs scores points. So if Josh Allen scored 40, Stefan Diggs' projection has to go up also. These tools don't do that. It's just a knapsack problem solver. So you have to apply correlation to your lineups. You have to apply leverage to your lineups and build them in ways that aren't being displayed in these types of optimizers. So you have to learn how to build those types of lineups. What is relative value? How do you get more of it in your lineup? Well, that all depends on the ownership and the combinations of players that other people are using. So the better you are, in knowing, figuring out what other people are going to do and build similar lineups that have a higher probability of winning versus the ownership of the lineups. You build more of those, you win more money in the long run. That's it. Is Mock Lovin doing anything that I'm not doing? No, he's not. He also plays like God knows forsaken nosebleed volume. Right? 
And a lot of the money that he makes is in the high stakes and smaller field stuff anyway. Yes, Trevor Lewis, in my opinion, projecting ownership is way more important than projecting fantasy points. Absolutely, 100%. If you, you're, you, must be, you must be new here, right? You, you definitely must be new here. To me, the, the PO number is more important. The, the accuracy of the PO number is way more important than the accuracy of the F, FPTS and the floor and the ceiling. That's how decisions are made. I mean, look at this past week. People thought James Robinson would be low-owned. People thought James Robinson would be low-owned. He didn't even project well. I didn't look. There was no projection model around the industry that had him, like, even in the top 10 of salary-adjusted value at running back. He was the highest-owned running back in the millimaker. People were projecting him for 6% ownership. I put him at 16 well, how the hell did you figure that out? Because I listened to a lot of stuff. And everyone wanted to play James Robinson and the New England running backs. And I thought a lot more people were going to play Ramondre Stevenson than Damian Harris. I thought that Ramondre Stevenson would be twice his own to Damian Harris. So I played Damian Harris thinking that he would be lower owned than Ramondre. And he wasn't. Ups, oops. Those lineups that I made with Damian Harris that I thought I was getting X amount of leverage didn't get as much leverage as I thought it would, right? That's all about projecting ownership. If you played James Robinson thinking that you were being contrarian and then the slate locks, the cards flip over and you see James Robinson is 21% owned, you screwed up. Because you built your lineup as if James Robinson was like, oh, well, I'm playing kind of chalky guys here, but I, I, got, but I got James Robinson. And then whoops, nope, he's the chalk, right? That's more important than projecting players not that hard to project players and the variance on player outcomes is very wide anyway i'd much rather if you if you told me you'd rather have the i'd rather have the more like if you told me the actual i'd rather have the actual fantasy points because then you can never make a mistake but from an accuracy standpoint if you told me that one of these numbers p own or fpts from a long-term like r squared value if there was one that would end up being like like 0.9 or something. I would prefer the ownership than uh, the median fantasy. Because then it's hard not to make a mistake. It's like the more accurate I could project ownership, then the easier it is to build plus EV lineups. Because I'll know exactly how often the players are played and what their combinations. And you could probably talk to someone like Nerdy Tanner. If, I told, if, if, if you went to Nerdy Tanner and said, I could give you perfect ownership, right? Like, I can tell you exactly how, how owned these guys are are actually going to be before anything else. Like, he would, be, he would be able to build an exploitative model that just crushed everyone. Like, just everyone. It would just be, it would be, it would be insane. Even without, you know, still having the player the ranges of outcomes. So doing that the best, to me in GPP, that's, that's the top skill. Yeah, Trevor, it's not the same as knowing other players' cards in poker, but it's 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 similar. Fund, th- think of the fundamental theorem of poker, right? I'm going back to old two plus two, because that's how 
I mean, I come from that era, the two plus two, the boom era of poker to early 2000s. The fundamental theorem of poker, David Sklansky, is essentially like, you know, if you would have played the hand the same way as if you saw your opponent's cards, that means you're, you're, you're making, you're profitable. If you're playing hands the opposite or different than if you could have seen your opponent's cards, then you lose, then you lose money. Very similar to here. That's why I always say, if you watch the show and we review, I don't review my lineups based on the results. I based, I review my lineups based on the ownership. Did I build, uh, did I build this lineup properly based on now what the actual ownership is? And some of my lineups are loud. No, I, 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 I thought this guy was going to be low owned. He wasn't. I thought this guy would be high owned and he wasn't as owned as I thought he would be. I said, I said on yesterday's show, I thought Leonard Fournette would, I, I had Leonard Fournette as the highest owned running back. I didn't project it at 24% owned. He came in at 14 in the middle. I was building lineups as if like, if Fournette's in here, I need to find a way to get different. Right. Turns out at 14%, I, I, I should have just been jamming him to most of my lineups anyway, right? I didn't have to mitigate his ownership. He was the sixth highest owned running back. I thought he would be the highest owned running back. So imagine reviewing your lineups now, going, oh, let me take a look at my four net lineups. I'm like, yeah, these four net lineups are way, are much more contrarian than they should have been, right? Because I was just like, well, if I have four net in my lineup, I can't have, T- I can't have Lockett in my lineup because Lockett's going to be owned. And Lockett wasn't even Lockett wasn't even over twenty percent. Olave actually was the higher owned one. I thought Lockett would be more owned than Olave. You're never going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes all the time because you're trying to judge human beings. And a lot of the projections around the industry are algorithmic based, so they assume a decent amount of rational behavior. But the larger the fields and the more casual and bad players are. The variance on just even the ownership projections is going to be very high because you're not dealing with rational people. A 20% of the field are just nut jobs. They're crazy. Or, and then you have half the field that is listening to like mainstream content or, you know, they're reading Yahoo Sports or something like that. Someone's article of here are the top five plays type of thing. Then they don't have projections. They have no idea. They look and they look at, oh, this guy did well last week. I'm going to play him again. They'll look at the DraftKings thing and go, oh, he averages at 19 points a game. He must be good. No context, no nothing. Doesn't matter that the other receivers are back, that they are pled- that they have a low total, they're a seven-point underdog. I mean, like, no, no, no context, no nothing. They don't have projections. So how do they react? If I knew that everyone was looking at the same projections, I'd be able to, I'd, I'd be able to predict ownership much better. Right, that that would be much easier, but that's not how people people operate. Yes, official survey. We need our Sklansky bucks. We need our Sklansky bucks. I got a lot of Sklansky bucks. But my favorite, my favorite quote from uh, from David Sklansky that I will always that I will always use, and I think it's the most important in DFS. Okay, Sklansky quote. David Sklansky's quote, right here, here you go. Here's the here's the uh, fundamental theorem of poker. Every time you play a hand differently from the way you would have played it, if you could see all of your opponent's cards, they gain. And every time you play your hand the same way you would have played, if you see all their cards, they lose, right? 
That's the fundamental theorem of poker from Theory of Poker. Obviously, you could tell from uh, my stuff that basically in 2015, when I started playing DFS, the first thing I thought was there enough people play this. There has to be a theory of DFS, like a theory of poker, just like this theory of poker for poker. Where's that book? I want to read that. I want to read David Sklansky, Malmuth, two plus two style book on DFS. And there wasn't any. Jonathan Bales had some stuff for smart people, things, but it's still not, not in this type of format, right? If you get this course, if you get the courses that I have, it it's very much taught very similar to a two plus two style, two plus two publishing style of, Quite like, especially the advanced players course, this course, very dry. You have to really like dry stuff, right? Very condensed, but it, it comes from that. That's my background. But the most important quote from David Sklansky, the most, it is by far the most. When we play, we must realize before anything else that we are out to make money. Okay. I have it on the screen. If you are playing for entertainment, that's perfectly fine. But then you don't have to worry. Then you do whatever you want. Don't worry about any of this. But if your goal, if you're, if you believe the objective of the game of DFS is to make money, then you have to realize that. Right when people are like, oh, I'm going to throw some. Oh, what's going on today? Whatever. It's like, no. Is your goal to make money, or is your goal to be a degenerate? Is your goal to just have action? Is your goal to gamble it up? Then your goal isn't to make money. So feel free to make whatever the hell lineup you want. All you all you know is when you when you see my content that I do, this show, theory of DFS, anything, it comes from this perspective. When we play, we must realize before anything else that we are out to make money. And can we accomplish this by doing the least amount of work for the least amount of time for the least amount of risk of ruin? So when I say it's like, just look at the projections, that's where this comes from. Well, some people like to know why that, like, I don't care. My goal is to make money. That's it. When we play, we must realize before anything else that we are out to make money. You tell me that I could just press a button. Look, look at what I did for an entire NBA season. I played the RG Optimal in NBA DFS on DraftKings and FanDuel every day for the entire season. Didn't question it at all. Didn't even question it. Didn't even question it. Oh, this guy's fragile. This guy's the, the, no, don't. This doesn't include the most. This this, this guy's going to be fifty percent owned in cash, and he's not in my lineup. No pro, no care, no problem, no nothing. Enter contests throughout the day, right? Double ups, head to heads, everything. One minute before lock, press the button, enter that lineup. Obviously, if there's any late changes, you're going to have to do some swaps. But just do that. Just literally press a button. I made $22,000. Why do anything else? Like what? I mean, obviously I was playing GPP also, which you can't just do that. But if you could just do that, why are we talking about anything? Right? That's where the attitude comes from. So it's not like, oh, you don't, oh, Jordan, 
Jordan doesn't like sports. I'm not saying I don't like sports. I like sports. Oh, oh, you don't get the enjoyment of building lineups. No, I enjoy building lineups. But when I play, I realize before anything else that I am out to make money. If if this if we played this game for free, I wouldn't have ever played DFS. Right? What's the point of putting all this time into something where what for nothing? I want something out of it, right? Like FPL, like Fantasy Premier League, very popular. The official FPL game, people make wild hundreds of thousands of people play it for no money, for nothing. Dropping players, adding players, captaining players, changing around the starting lineups, trying to move up in the rankings. For what? There's no money. To come in first out of 560, whatever thousand, you get like a firm handshake and a $25 gift certificate to Fuddruckers or something. I don't know. Why am I spending all this time to do that? I don't. You could do it if you enjoy it, I guess, right? I enjoy making money. I enjoy making money. What's that's where the fun is. That's where the fun is. So when people say it's like, oh, you don't just pay play lineups because it's fun. Like, no. No, I was the person that like, like I can't play, I can't play board games with anyone. Like we have friends that they they play board games, whatever. I can't. My wife, my wife doesn't even invite me anymore. Why why can't I play book? Because Either I'm trying to find the optimal strategy or it's not fun for me. It's, not, it's just, it's literally not fun. It's almost upsetting. Oh, we're going to open up this box and we're going to play this new game. It's like, you should have told me this before because I would have spent a week figuring out what the optimal strategies of this game are and then implementing them and exploiting other people that are playing this game. And my wife would look at me and be like, like, dude, most of the people aren't even going to pay attention. We're doing this for fun and to drink. It's like, so why don't we just drink then? <laughs> so what? So why are we playing the game? What's the point then? If we're not all looking for the optimal strategies and how to exploit one another and 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 do this and do that, like that, to me, that's the fun. That is the fun. So if people are not going to play that way, what the hell? This isn't this ain't fun. When I was younger, I would play like Madden, like the EA Sports games. My friends would never play with me. I only had one friend that would because he was the only one that was like me. We would play Madden. We would have 15-minute quarters. We would run the clock down. We'd be trying to draw each other off sides. We played it like it was a re- like it was a real football game. Then I had friends that are like, oh, they're going for it on fourth and 16 from their own three. <laughs> they're in shotgun throwing Hail Mary passes all the time. Me, I'm I'm me, me, dude. I, I had a friend. I had a friend of mine that literally threw the controller at me because it was like 47 seconds left on the clock on like second down, and I just kneeled to win the game. It's like, what the hell are you doing? I said, well, I'm kneeling because I'm I'm up by a field goal and I win the game. Say, but that's not fun. It's like, but that's that's the game. If I wasn't planning on doing that, then why would? Like, I don't understand what, what you're talking about. How is this not fun? This is the real way to play. Right. You you should have stopped me. Why did you burn your timeouts? Why did you burn your timeouts before? 
Yeah, I exploited that. You made the you made the poor decision. You made the poor decision to try to kick the 67-yard field goal for no reason. Right? Because it, it seemed more fun to you. Me, no, I'm me, I'm I'm punting on uh, you know, punting on the 45-yard line, the opposing 45-yard line on fourth and 17. And no, no, this guy, my friend, he's, he goes for it every play. Never runs the ball. Typically, I'm running the ball 80% of the time in Madden back then. A lot of times, I would run like the same three plays over and over and over again. And then then my friend would know like what play. Like, okay, I got to cover that area. Then I'd just audible and do the other direction. <laughs> Use the same ad. There was there was a play that the out the out play like the eight yard out. That unless you were playing cover two, like you almost always got a completion. So I just ran that play a ton. <laughs> it's like my and then I I would have a friend like I, I don't want to play play with you anymore. This is boring. Like, well, you got to learn how to defend it. I learned how to defend this. You defend the out. You defend it. You, why aren't you playing cover two? There's obviously a bug in this game that that eight. That eight yard out, like, ne- always works except for if you play cover two. So you should always be playing cover two, dude. Did, did, this is this this is me at like twelve years old. Okay, <laughs> this is the type of person I am. <laughs> That's why I got into poker. That's why I got into stuff like that. Okay, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, Paul Adair, last question. How many people playing mid-stakes like the Spies and the Red Zones are really listening to fantasy footballs or is it in Yahoo? Not, no, not many. I feel like most of those folks are like, yeah, that's large field stuff. So yeah, the large field ownership will be more guided by more casual content, at least be influenced by it. But if you're playing, if you're playing mid-stakes, like even the slant, right? The ownership, the ownership that you see like on, on Roto-Grinders, it'll be much more active. I mean, we saw that. I went over that uh, uh, yesterday on on the show or on the Theory DFS podcast where, like, James Robinson was the highest owned running back in the Millie, but he was, like, the fifth highest. He was only 11% owned in, like, the Wildcat. Right, the 333 multi-entry. Right, if you looked at the Wildcat ownership, actual ownership, it was much closer. Nick Chubb was 8% owned, not 16% owned. Like, much more in line with like RG's projected ownership. The Millie, a lot of irrationality. Trevor Lewis, do you have different ownership projections and run two different lineup HQ optimizers for different buying levels for the same slate? Yeah, you can do that. You can find a way to adjust like that if you want. Yeah, Paul says J-Rob was still high in some spot. Yeah, he was higher than projected, but not as high as in like, like a million maker. But to me, that's the game. That's a projecting ownership. Well, that's, that's what I do. And I typically do it in not in scientific method. I just, I just move stuff around. I go, I listen to everything. I read everything and I go, yeah, this guy's not going to be as owned as you think. Or then you take a look at player combinations and you go, well, if everyone's playing, if everyone is playing this, then how the hell are they playing this guy? Like, so this guy can't be 8% owned. He's going to be like 5% owned. As Paul said, if you hang out in some of the discords, you could read the steam. You could read the steam. 
Definitely. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. This is longer than I thought. But we got the chat people, right? Once the chat people get involved, the show could go as long as it possibly can, right? Thanks, thanks for the, the, the feedback and participating. We may we probably do it again tomorrow. What else is we going to talk about tomorrow on Wednesday? Right, it's toss-up Tuesday, then it's going to be whatever Wednesday, especially until we get NBA back for the midweek. So uh, so we got, uh, I don't, I don't, do we have anything today? Food for Thought podcast, right, with Luch and, and Will, right, that's out. We got content, we got the Soulcast tomorrow, we got NFL stuff, we got NHL projections. Now that's up. Soccer, I guess you want to, it's Champions League today and tomorrow. We got all the stuff here at uh, Roto Grinders. So click on that link in the description. Get $10 off, right? Your first month, combo premium. Oh, Devin says prop shop show tonight and a PGA show. Okay, oh, we got stuff. We got stuff tonight, people. We got stuff tonight. And we'll get stuff tomorrow also because I'll be back because I'm here. I'm here all the time, right? Answering your DFS strategy questions, right? As I try to do, right? Even your stupid ones. Here on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com. <laughs>